Yes, indeed. The war goes on. Let's pray. Father God, we declare that your will be done, O God, right now on earth, in and through us, those who are listening, as it's being done and declared in heaven. This is a call to war. This is a call for your kingdom to come and your will to be done and not to back down and turn around. And Father, we thank you that Jesus came down here to rescue us, deliver us, save us, and he didn't turn around, back down, or wimp out. I thank you, Lord. He walked. He carried that cross all the way up to that hill. Lord God, he laid down, and he was pounded into the cross, into the wood, that his blood fell out. Lord God, trickled down into the earth to dig, to uh, uh, demi- to diminish, to, to re- remove the power of sin, <clears throat> to delete the power of the, gl- the blood guilt that had been uh, filling the earth with a shedding of blood. Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you that there is power in that blood. There's power in his resurrection. Thank you for giving us power, Lord God. Power to overcome, power to declare the truth, power to know the truth, to know that we know that we know that we are loved. Thank you for helping us to understand, giving us eyes and ears to see and to hear and to uh, perceive the revelation of the power and the intensity of this war. Father God, that we're not alone, that you've given us gifts. You've given us protections. You've given us the shields of God. We ask now for those shields of God to protect the technical uh, transmissions, vibrations, frequencies of this message, that it will reach into the very hearts of the people who are listening to it, Lord God, and change their lives. I thank you, Jesus, that this is life-giving and this is a battle of life and death. I thank you, Lord, for the divine protection over us and our families, that there's no weapon formed against us, no word said, no deed done, no action taken, no uh, interference, no hindrance, no delay, no obstruction that the enemy can use to bring forth any uh, defeat of the power of the word of God. We thank you, Jesus. You are the faithful witness. You are the wonderful counselor. May we speak now as the oracles of God. Hey, good morning. Well, good morning. And welcome to this war. Yeah. We're, We're still talking about Mark, Mark on the move, or Jesus on the move in the gospel of Mark. And today we're talking about, uh, we're kind of, it's really, you know, we had to go to Matthew to find out what's kind of going on because Mark, he kind of jumps over a lot of things. Uh, well, but re- repentance and confession of sin. Well, repentance is, is, is changing your mind. Right. I mean, it's just changing. It's not only just a change of mind, it's a change of, of direction. Mm-hmm. So you're changing your, your mind. You're, you're agreeing. For us in, in the yeah. Christian context, it's agreeing with God. We're, we're, we're renouncing the way we've been thinking, there's a revelation that has to come before right. there's repentance. Right. Realize that, oh my, it's like you know the prodigal son that was in the in the pig pen, yeah, ended up in the pig to, pen. Yeah. He said, what am I doing here? Yeah. He just just like, what am I doing here? And what does he do? He, he changes, changes his, his mind. mind he changes. He, he says, himself. I'm going back to father. Well, you know, this is kind of an interesting thing, this concept of confession and repentance. It's, it's, it's a theme that was started with John the Baptist, but it was really the theme all through the Old Testament as well. Uh, even we see that in Deuteronomy 27 and 8, where, you know, they were doing, they were sinning, and God says, if you will confess, if you will obey. And he says in Luke, uh, Le- Leviticus 26, 39, he says, if you will confess your iniquity and the iniquity of your fathers, which is with you, then I will restore the covenant. So this, this, this downgrading, this demoralization that had gone on for centuries and generations was now kind of at its low point when we see John the Baptist in the desert, desert calling again for repentance. It's kind of interesting, too. I just read this morning, uh, nasty news, um, that uh, there are some very uh, high-profiled people in our country who pur- purport to be uh, uh, spiritual gurus, um, and they're saying that there are many ways to God. You don't have to just come through that narrow door of repentance and confess, confessing of sins. Sins to them is such an archaic kind of uh, uh, menial uh, uh, you know, concept that I could have sins. But God says we have to confess them and repent because that. why does he say that? Why does God make it all about that 
act of humiliation. It seems like an act of humiliation. It seems like it violates my ego, my sense of godhood, my sense of goodness to have to repent and, and confess my sins. John the Baptist is, you know, what would he have said to Oprah? Oh my goodness, <laughs> I can only imagine. Well, yeah. Well, but but the thing is, yeah, you, 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 there there is a very re- good reason why God says we need to repent. Well, the thing is, because we are we are involved in believing lies, we're involved in sin. We, we're we're on we're on our way to destruction because if we have agreed with the with lie. the lies of the mm-hmm. enemy, mm-hmm. and we our behavior, our, Comes think, out of that, our yeah. thinking, our behavior is is twisted, perverted from what God's in, original intention is or was for us yeah. to have. Yeah. So yeah. so anyway, so there has to be that turning around, A turning. Yeah, and, and, and absolutely, and basically. This is the breakthrough. This is the repent. This is the message that we don't hear very much Correct. today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the repentance, because we want to keep everybody happy. Everything's okay. We don't want to judge anybody or anything. Right. And we we, we want to just kind of mush everything together. But John the Baptist, as we read about here in the Book of Mark, was not like that. He came baptizing in the wilderness. <laughs> Well, he didn't go to the big city. He didn't go to the big mega Coliseums, churches. Coliseums, stadiums. He, right. Yeah. He he came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of what? Repentance for the remission of sins. Remission, removal. Removal of sins mm-hmm. or for forgiveness. So it was preparing the way. His role, uh, John the Baptist's role, was to prepare the way for the Savior, and, Jesus Christ, who would bring uh, forgiveness and, and salvation. I think one of the things that repentance and confession, remission of sins, there has to be that revelation that I'm lost, that I yes. need something, that it's I, this my life, the way I'm doing it is not working. I'm just being, I'm hitting the wall, I'm grinding down into the the depths and I'm not getting anywhere. And I think a lot of people, when you get to that place, it's time to stop for a second and say, wait a minute, what's the lie I'm believing? And then turn and repent, change your mind, stop believing that lie, because out of that belief comes the sin. But so as you're saying, John the Baptist, is, he's got a, you know, he's saying repent uh, for the remission of sins. Now, that is the, the simple message, and he had a lot of takers. He had a lot of be- people who actually believed in verse 5. It says, and all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, Mark is in a hurry to speak, and he, he leaves out a lot of details. So I had to go to Matthew to see who those people were. He says, and those from Jerusalem. Well, you always think of Jerusalem, the capital city, the religious center, epic center of, of religion and, and and the Pharisees. The work, the temple was there. Um, all of the, 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 you know, the main center point, uh, ground zero for religion was there. And it says in Matthew, as Matthew's talking about this same moment, uh, it says, then Jerusalem and all Judea, and all the regions surrounding Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, just do a little quick geography lesson here, first of all, kind of to get the lay of the land. Israel is the name of the country, like the United States of America is the name of the country. And we have 50 states. Now, what they had was three states. They had Galilee State, the state of Galilee, in the north. They had the state of Samaria in the center of Israel. And then on the south end, they had the state of Jerusalem. Judea. I'm sorry, Judea. And Jerusalem, I'm sorry, it was Jerusalem was in Judea. Right. And it was the capital city of the whole country. And, but, so when these people are coming from roundabout, and and the Jordan is on the the east side of that, you know, connects uh, the Sea of Galilee. It starts in the the Sea of Galilee, obviously in Galilee, and it connects all the way down to the Dead Dead Sea. And that river is the Jordan. And that goes into Judea, right? So it's yeah, not it's through the kind of the eastern sort of like the eastern border of, of, of Judea. Judea. So these people are coming from everywhere. And so we have the Pharisees and in verse um, and they were baptizing, confessing their sins. So he was getting through to some of the people. Can you imagine this today? There's this there's this guy. He's not really well dressed. Uh, he's out in the out in the country, mm-hmm. kind of out in the sticks mm-hmm. and people coming out to him from all over the place, from the city and the country and the villages, uh, to confess their sins. Wow. Totally I mean, wow. weird. Would that be happening today? We don't see that today. No. No. Uh, you know, no. we see it in a microcosm. There it was, it was a movement that God was bringing to prepare the way for Jesus it's to save It's amazing. Yeah, today I, I don't think we'd get any 
interest in that there oh no that's it's not it's not self-help it's not positive thinking yeah it's not feel good stuff no you know you you don't you don't pay for churches there's no food or or donuts or coffee involved no 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 coffee bar no no uh light show worship team no uh cushy seats uh you just go out in the wilderness and you confess your sin and you get baptized that's it's like who would do that today? I mean, we're so absorbed in <laughs> our silliness have, that it's I just. I have no idea who would do that. <clears throat> but today. but nonetheless, back in this day and in this time, which was the right time, obviously, uh, the Pharisees were curious. Uh, they came out just like Herod was curious when he heard from the wise men that there was a king that was born, and he searched it out, and of course tried to kill baby Jesus. But here the Pharisees come out, and it says, and when they saw, when he saw, many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So John, when he saw them coming. To his baptism, he said to them, "Oh, I'm so glad you're here." So welcome. We, we're yeah. so we're so happy. Would you sign the here. guest yeah, list? We'll, and yeah, fill out the guest card. Fill yeah, out, you know we want to keep in touch with you. Yeah, give us your email, and if you want to make a donation, you're, there's a machine right here. In and the if foyer. you feel, you want, we just want you to feel comfortable. You know, mm-hmm. a good place. No, there was no. It was all standing or sitting on the sand. I would imagine there was not. A, there was no nice cushy chairs. But he said, he said to them, "Brood of vipers." Oh, welcome. Wait a minute. That, welcome. Is that the love of Jesus? Is that the love of God? Vipers. That is not politically correct. You don't call people, a, basically saying, yes. you're a family of snakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like. And I, so the he, so he's saying this to the religious the elite. elite. Yeah, the, the elite. Day. So he said, Marjorie, Pharisees and Sadducees came. Yeah, both. So, so you had both. Both political parties were there. Well, the, yeah. So the Democrats had, and the Republicans so had, are both yeah, there. In sense, yeah, in a sense, it would be and the, they're like the, the same, spiritual basically. Democrats and the spiritual Republicans. Mm-hmm. So the, the Pharisees were more of the common people. You know, they, they believed in, you know, the, the resurrection, the, the old life Testament, after death. supposedly. They believed in life after death. They believed in the resurrection. They believed in angels and demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were more of the from the middle class. Now the Sadducees were more of the upper class people uh, that that were uh, politically tied in to with Herod? Rome and to mm-hmm. Herod and everything like that. And they did not believe in miracles. Mm-hmm. They did not believe in the resurrection. So they were they were the more the 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 political uh, end of. Uh, of the religious system that uh, Israel had going at that time. Yeah, and so he calls them a brood of snakes, of vipers. And, and that goes back to Isaiah 59, where it says, um, your hands are defiled with blood, verse 3, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice, nor does anyone plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch vipers' eggs and weave the spider's web. He who eats their eggs dies, and from that which is crushed, a viper breaks out. Uh, then it goes on to talk about their webs will become, will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and acts of violence are in their hands. Their, their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have not known, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. I would say that's a very accurate description of this. The, 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 some of the, the activities that are going on in the United States of America right now. Justice is falling on the street. No one wants peace or truth. Um, it, it, that brood of vipers, the snakes... But John is identifying them here. Now, brood of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Um, he, he's going to tell us a little later about <clears throat> the winnowing fan of the of the Lord is in his hand in Matthew. But he's talking about judgment. He's talking about, actually, he's, he's, he's saying, um, he says, therefore, in Matthew, he says, who's warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Don't do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Well, they were. Judgment's coming. In their thinking was there was the thinking. This was all, all through the Old Testament. And in a sense, this is. 
John the Baptist is the bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Okay, but Israel in the past, we read, we can read about it in the prophets. They said, "Well, Abraham's our father. Mm-hmm. We're we're the exclusive ones. We're of our father well, Abraham. You know, they they had the the claim for their salvation. Uh, the, the, their religious pedigree mm-hmm. was that oh, we're we're part of Abraham's seed. Mm-hmm. You know, and." Uh, but the thing is, he John is saying that isn't going to get you anywhere. He says your your religious pedigree they had two, isn't going to do you any good. They had two ideas of how to get to heaven, and both of them were wrong. One was to be pedigreed, be the, of the seed of Abraham, so it's an automatic. It's an end. automatic because you know, we're, yeah, we got Abraham's blood in our, we got Abraham's uh, DNA. Right, right. So we're we're in, we're good. That's the the other thought was that they were going to get in through their works. He says, um, John says, bring forth works bear fruit worthy of repentance and and so what were they doing they were you think yourselves that you're you know the axe is laid to the root of the tree you you think that you're okay you think you're safe but their works were works of as we'll see in um where jesus begins to talk about the pharisees let's go there for a second matthew 23 23. he really takes this whole thing apart and you know um you gotta realize that when john is talking about the the confessing of sins he's really talking about the conspiracy a conspiracy of sin a conspiracy of sin that's been set up against us you know you either going to see life as a conspiracy or an accident and and an accident there's there's no reason for anything no cause no consequences it is what it is it'll happen if it's supposed to happen bad luck fate and uh all of those things kind of put together a life for you that you have no con concept of no control over and it's just you know and on the other side of that coin we have the con- contradictory you know take responsibility it's your fault you should have known better etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's it so when we're talking about the conspiracy of sin we're talking about the conspiracy sin is like a symptom it's like the fruit it's like the expression of the conspiracy a conspiracy says not that it's an accident, but that there's actually a cause. The curse without a cause does not come. There is a cause for something. There is a, the, the, the conspiracy of this world is that there is a reason that this earth is here, how we got here, why we're here, where we're going, who we are. There is a reason, there is a well thought out, d- intelligent designer's reason for this. And yet, if we don't want to go with that that uh, paradigm of, of truth and consequences and conspiracy and causes then we have to go with the uh the, the primeval primeval slime swamp s- stuff that we just kind of evolve and so here they're saying this conspiracy of sin is telling us that there is something going on here that's not goodness it's not truth it's not righteousness it's not justice it's not peace it's popular it's well ta- taught and promoted but it's a conspiracy that is bringing them to the place of of being actually destroyed and go ahead you're going to talk in, in matthew 23 well, i think that's we need to look at these guys a minute well a lot of time you know you they know, were G- part of the conspiracy now, to Jesus destroy spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples so he's basically, he's speaking uh, to the crowds and to the disciples about the scribes and Pharisees. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know how many of them were there at the time. They could have been listening They in. probably were. Taking notes. He said, you know, what do they do? He says, you know, they, they observe but do not do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say and do not. So they're hypocrites, right? They bind heavy burdens, Matthew 23, 4, hard to bear, lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their feet. They, they give, them, give the people all a whole bunch of religious rules. Heavy burdens. Yeah, and they, and, and they, make, you know, they make their phylacteries broad. They're, the borders of their garments were like, made to distinguish them as holy people. Their vestment, they had their vestments. Mm-hmm. Uh, they love the best places at feasts. They, they wanted to be noticed. And they were on a power trip. They love greetings in the market. Oh, brother, rabbi, rabbi, or pastor. Oh, here. They love that the title. Yeah, acknowledgments. Right, the titles and the praises of men. Um, well. And, he, and uh, you know, they said, um, you shut up the kingdom of God, you know, uh, verse 13. Mm-hmm. You shut up the kingdom of heaven against mm-hmm. men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. 
Mm-hmm. This is really something. This is, you're not going to, you're, you're, you're like standing in the door. In the way. Mm-hmm. You're not going in to the kingdom and you're hindering the people that want to come And actually standing the at that gate and pointing people away from the gate. And this is, this is what we have today. A lot well, of. Jesus called this group. Um, John called them, you know, brood of vipers. Jesus is calling them hypocrites. Jesus hypocrites. called this group of profess- professing religionists. That's what I think they were, professing they're, religionists. Yeah, they're actors. They they're say professing. and they do not do. Right. They're, they're hypocrites. We have this feeding us all the time in our churches. You have to look deeper than what you see in the pulpit on a Sunday morning. You have to know the lifestyle. You have to know the fruit. You have to know the na- the attitude, the nature, the true intentions uh, and motivations of that person that you're following. So Jesus was saying, and I think this is very interesting in, in verse 4, they they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear. They lay them on men's soldiers, but they themselves do not lift them with one of their little fingers. And then over here in the um, verse um, 23, how, he, how they do that is 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of law of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought have to have done without leaving the others undone. So he's saying they're nitpicking. They're driving people crazy with their little legalistic, you know, tithe. did you tithe of your mint? Did you tithe of all the, the lavender you picked out in the garden today? Did you tithe of, you know, the, I don't know. He's, they're, they're making it, they're almost it's obsessive. If you get too religious, you get too perfectionistic. You, you, go, you will go into an OCD kind of you, yeah. You get excessive compulsive. And they're they're creating and these you, burdens. You, and you totally miss the point. Yeah. The so point, the point of yeah. all this, Jesus is saying in Matthew mm-hmm. twenty three, he says the weightier matters. He says justice. Okay, yeah. Uh, you know, of law, of justice, mercy, and faith. Okay. He says, you know, take care of the details. But what is the main thing? It's justice, mercy, and truth. He says, you blind guides. You strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. It's like he's almost making fun of them, isn't he? Well, yeah. How do you swallow a camel? You're you're all obsessed. You know, it's that that made-up rules. It's what they had done with the commandments. Um, They were adding to them religious rules, made-up rules that break people down because under the weight of those those I failed. I broke this law. I didn't do this. You open the door for guilt and shame and feeling like you fall short of the goodness of God, the glory of God, or doing the will of God. And so when people are broken down, and they are today, broken down, feeling uh, alienated from God because they can't keep up with the rules, they broke a rule, um, and they feel like they're falling short of the glory of God, the goodness of God, the will of God. They lose heart and they get very confused. And all and, and ultimately what it does, it bit, embitters you against God. I can't please God. I can't make God happy. I can't do it right. And if you got a fruit of embittering, being embittered against God or feeling like God's mad at you or you can't do it right or you're OCDing on this stuff and becoming obsessive in this matter, you need to stop and say, wait a minute, what am I believing here? What's the lie I'm believing? Because, um, you know, the Pharisees were religious religious, you know, uh, legalists, um, they carried the burdens, the following of the rules to the, the nth degree. Um, they were nitpicking and it almost drove people and it will today. And I know people, I actually know people who are so religiously involved and entangled with the, with the word and the law and doing it perfectly that they are obsessive compulsive. They have an obsessive compulsive disorder and they are going insane trying to be perfect well, they're obsessed with doing it right according to the rules doing themselves going crazy drug you know they're going crazy trying to keep the law perfectly when the pro- the truth is the law cannot keep them from sinning the law cannot save us and the law cannot keep us from sinning but they're trying to be perfect and and do it all absolutely correct yeah. as the pharisees made those heavy burdens. And, and the idea is, you know, wh- what happened? Matthew nine thirty six. it says, but when he saw the multitude, just referring to Jesus, and it's just kind of jumping ahead in history here, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered mm-hmm. like sheep having no shepherd. Mm-hmm. In other words, they were, they were like mangled, they were vulnerable, they were confused, they were hurt. And, 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 like sheep having no, the ones that were supposedly to be their shepherds 
had brought them into yeah. destruction and brought them into vulnerability, brought, mm-hmm. them, in, brought them into the clutches to confusion, of Satan. Hit into the clutches of Satan. Yeah, guilt, confusion, doubt, condemnation. Uh, and what happens? What happens a lot of times is is uh, uh, you know there, there's a, there's a common story. Years ago, I heard of a, a young lady that just basically had been raised in a Christian home. And she just tried to be good, and she fi- she figured she was so such a failure at being good. She thought if she'd be good at being bad, mm-hmm. and a lot of people say Yo, it's, yeah. like, it's like mm-hmm. well, I'm going to try. I tried this with Jesus, and it doesn't. It isn't work. So who cares? I'm just going to give up and go the other way. Or you go to a place where you say a church where you, they say, okay, whatever you live is okay. Grace covers it all, mm-hmm. and so you can just kind of moosh around and and and. Uh, and, and just continue in your sin, continue in your lies. Mm-hmm. And, and it's no matter, because God loves you so much anyway, it's okay. It doesn't yeah, really matter what you, you believe mm-hmm. or what you do. We just want you to come. We're just going to, you know, uh, pat you on the butt a little bit and, and, and encourage you. And take up an offering. And take up an offering, <laughs> and then you can go. You can go. Do your thing. Yeah. Come so, back next week, though. Yeah, because we're going to have but, a special, but, a special something for you next week. But it's the like people, bribery. The people that are in that situation are are, are being horribly violated, uh, yeah. and that's what was going on. Is that well? That, so here you got to think. You got to think of here. Okay, Israel is under Roman occupation. Mm-hmm. They are an occupied country mm-hmm. by a pagan enemy, mm-hmm. and then you've got religious sort of conservatives and liberals. Blind leading the blind. Blind leading the blind. You talk about people that are harassed and helpless. And confused. And confused. And and, spinning. And and so this is why God had to kind of get their attention. Yeah. With 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 this guy John the Baptist. Well because the way out of it was repentance. And they were being they needed to be the, the he the basically preparing the way and so it's it's back. well they they were vulnerable they they, they were, had nowhere to turn they had been very right. for many 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 generations indoctrinated by the law and by these these blind deceivers leading the blind so the 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 the, the deceivers were were being deceived and 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 the ones who wanted to and satan capitalizing on the desire of these precious souls to know god follow God, do the will of God, and feeling inadequate in themselves to get that information on their own with a relationship with the Lord himself, because that was not yet then a known concept. Um, they had to go through their prophets, they had to go through their priests, they had to go through their, their Pharisees or their, their uh, you know, spirit guides or whatever they, you know, but they, but they didn't have the understanding yet that they could come directly to the Lord themselves. That was a concept that Jesus brought and the church taught but as even as back even beyond that when we get beyond that to the place where the church is established paul is even still saying in second uh, corinthians 11 he says um but i fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived eve by his craftiness so you're going all the way back to the garden then you go past john the baptist past the cross he paul is beyond that he says so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in christ he says, for if he who comes preaches another God, another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. He's saying, if you, there's other people coming down the pike who are preaching a different Jesus, a different gospel, uh, a diff- with a different spirit, and you may not, you may put up with it. You may accept it. You may fall for it. People are falling for it and putting up with it these days. So here we see another, just a, this is a line of constant deception, constant treachery, constant conspiracy, the, the craftiness of Satan in the garden with the people in the days of John the Baptist and Jesus and with the people in, in the church as Paul was leading them into that fullness of the true gospel. You see the conspiracy. But these Pharisees, there was something to be gained here. And there was also something they had to give up to, to be free. They could gain the notoriety and the, maybe the pension plan and all this other good stuff that comes from being a Pharisee or a Sadducee or a scribe. 
but they were not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven unless they repented. There was one way in, and that was to let go of, confess, get rid of your agreements with sin. Jesus said at one point, he said, the the publicans, the tax collectors, the, the crooked IRS guys, and the harlots were going to go into the kingdom of God before the scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees. Yeah, and that's a hard pill to swallow, especially if you've got your high up on that mountain and you've got to humble yourself. And, you know, really that's the problem today. I think the hardest thing for people to do is to confess their sins, admit they're wrong, admit they've been going the wrong way, admit they've been listening to the wrong doctrines, admit they've been tricked, admit they've been deceived, uh, admit they've kind of, you know, taken on things themselves and done it their own way. And and so the humbling, you know, that's why a lot of people don't confess their sins. It's just too hard. I have to admit I'm wrong. I have to, you know, and they're afraid that if they have, if they admit that, that they also are admitting that they're, when they're admitting they're wrong, they also believe they're admitting, admitting they're bad. That's not the same thing. You know, you're a good God-created person made in the image of God who has been deliberately deceived by the craftiness of Satan to remove you from the simplicity of the gospel, make it all complicated with lots of extra rules and burdens heavy, too heavy to be borne, that the point in the end of that all is that you lay down that burden, you say, I can't do this, this is too hard, that Jesus stuff doesn't work, because you don't know that Jesus has already done the work. The Son of God has already done the work for you, and it's now a matter of you following him and and that begins at a beginning, and it begins at the place of stopping going the wrong direction. Repent means to turn around. Stop going the wrong direction. You can't go the right direction until you stop going the wrong direction. You have to stop and say, wait a minute, I took a wrong road here. I have to turn around to go back. When you miss your turn, you have to repent. You have to turn around and go back. Unless, of course, you can figure a way to get back on the right track, but you're still going to have to turn from the direction you're going and go towards the direction you missed. And so turning around, repenting, is really what John the Baptist is talking about. Stop being swept up by all these lies and make a decision for yourself. Well, you know, in those days, we mentioned uh, last time, there were messengers that would go before a king. Say if a king was coming to see his subjects or coming through the land, a messenger would come and say, hey, the king is coming, the king is coming, and what the people, the local people would do is oftentimes is they would, if there were ruts in the road, holes in the road, they would repair the roads to make the king's uh, way uh, smoother, more comfortable for him to, to ride on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but, so what really is, and they would get the, you know, if their tree had fallen over the road or a big rock was there, they'd remove it. John was there. He was there to say, hey, there's a new way here coming. And he's breaking through. He's crying in the wilderness, the wilderness of sin, we could say, the wilderness of dead religion, the religious of, of, uh, yeah, the the, uh, clutter, the debris of of, political political oppression. Maneuvering, manipulation. And he he says, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm bringing in now. This new order is coming in. The new order of, of Jesus Christ, repentance, the cross, right. the new and living the way. The gospel of the kingdom it, of God. It's coming yeah. right into all this. Right. And Jesus had to, he pl- kind of plowed through yep, yep. the cl- religious clutter. John was preparing the way, mm-hmm. and then Jesus was coming in uh, you know, to, to bring right. in life, to bring in the, the newness and the freshness. He talked about, uh, it talks about in Hebrews, a new and living way. Right, and, and you're absolutely correct. Way, the truth you're and the absolutely correct. The 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 nature of this um, this mess that you just described well uh, that that John was kind of like the the point man going in to set up a new way of thinking, a whole paradigm shift for these people who Jesus had come to save. And as we see in Matthew twenty three, and we see again in John eight. Um, around verse 44, you'll see this these constant confrontations with the broods of vipers, with the religious people. And if we can go on in 23, um, I'm going to say goodbye to you, Jerry. He's got to run off to the airport. Talk to you later. Yes. Okay. okay. So I'll hang this. You, you go. I'll pull this off and we'll be great. Hey, everybody. So go back to Matthew 23 for a second. I think we really see Jesus there in the, in the heat of the, of the confrontation there and in John chapter 8. With the heat of the, the, the fire, the sparks are flying here. Uh, the confrontation, the words are hot. 
between Jesus and what he's saying. And he's got no time, no time for this religious garbage that had been drowning and destroying his people. Um, In verses 13 and 14, he says, um, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. So like we said a minute ago, they're obstructing the way. Their their version, and all roads lead to Jesus. All roads lead to heaven. All roads, you, you know, Jesus isn't the only way. That is a lie. There is one way. Jesus is the way. We have to all come through him to get to the Father because there's only one way to get in, and that is through uh, accepting Jesus Christ, believing he is your salvation. He paid for your sins. You know, I know we like to do it ourselves and don't like to be a charity case and accept help from anybody. But the thing is, we have to admit we're lost. We're dead. We're done. We cannot get to heaven ourselves. You know, you can't build a rocket ship to get up to heaven. There's no way you can get to heaven without getting in through the blood of Jesus Christ. So he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive the greater condemnation. I don't know how we can improve on Jesus' words here. He's just saying it like it is. They steal from the widows. They are heartless. They're mean. They're, 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 they consume the pensions of the poor. They sell, as we see along in history, they'll begin to sell indulgences and um, think that you can buy your way into heaven or buy your way out of purgatory or cover up your deeds with the appearances of, of good and truth, covering up the true intentions. And you know what? That is a spirit of divination. Here he says it. He says they, for a pretense, they make long prayers. They're stealing your money, but to cover up what they're really doing, they make long prayers and they put long, wide borders on their garments so that you think they're really high up in the in the in the authority level here because your borders are wide. Hypocrites, he says. Um, so see, the thing is, divination is in the church. Divination is in the world. Divination means you um, you present or you use a truth to tell a lie. It's like, Satan does this all the time. He uses truth to tell a lie. You know, it's like, okay, so you want to poison someone. So you, what you do is you cook a stew, a roast, a beef, beautiful steak, whatever, and you have all the, you know, fresh vegetables and potatoes and the wonderful aromas of everything and uh, the, the nice, lovely salad and whatnot. And you invite your enemy to your table and you say, oh, let's make peace. You know, it's been a long time. I'm so sorry. It was such a rude, harsh critic of yours. And here, let's let's eat and make up. But you have put three drops of arsenic on the steak along with the garlic salt. And now they're eating what? A meal to make peace uh, and repair a relationship? Or are they eating poison? treachery it's it's divination you have you've set something up to look like it's good and it's really bad and this is really this is how you know you accuse somebody else of something you're doing and then when they react to it you come after them and accuse you you make it look like they're doing to you what you did to them it's everything is so twisted it's that's telling a lie you make long prayers you go out of your way to proselytize he says and you make these converts uh, go after you teach them through this dis- destructive doctrine to promote the concepts of, dis- uh, of you know swearing, making oaths, you know confusing them about the power of religious objects, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, through the altar and the gifts on the altar, etc. He says, and you're just deceiving them because you're using the hunger of the fish to catch the fish. You're pretending like you're giving the fish lunch when it's really bait on a hook, and so divination does that. It always presents what looks like the truth or what is partially the truth to tell a lie, to trick and deceive. And that's what fishing is really all about. And Satan is a fisher of men, just like Jesus said he was going to make his apostles, disciples, fishers of men. And so we see this heartless kind of treacherous, deliberate way to destroy and ensnare them with no no paying of guilt or conscience about the whole thing. What do you blind guides? He says, um, he says, fools and blind. Then he goes on to say, uh, you swear by heaven and, and by the throne of God and him is who sits on it. That's who is uh, 
He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. He's saying the greater things. We need to go back to the source. The source is God, not what we do, not our works, but what God does. Um, you pay tithe of mint and anise. We look the blind guide straining at a gnat, swallowing a camel. Uh, you cleanse the outside of the cup or the dish, but the inside is full of extortion and indul- self-indulgence. You know what? We have a lot of that in our Christian ministries today. We have a lot of extortion. They're extracting, illegally extracting money, goods, services, praise, worship, whatever, out of people using lies to do it for self-indulgence. They're indulging in these things to promote their own, themselves. You know what? Just, Jesus said, simple, simple. You know, they're going to come as wolves in sheep's clothing. He says, just, just look at the fruit. What is the fruit? Don't just look at the words. Don't look at the trappings. Don't look at the, the, the place settings on the table. Look at the fruit and discern. There's a difference between judging and discerning. Discerning says, I, this is, you know, this, he says, don't throw your pearls before swine. This is a swine. Jesus said not to throw my pearls before the swine, not to give out all of this, you know, revelation to someone who's going to scoff at you. There's a time and a place for everything. He says, judge not lest you be judged. And then he says, three verses later, he says, don't throw your pearls before swine. Okay, then in the last part of that, that, uh, in that same chapter, he says, um, you know, they'll discern they're going to come as wolves in sheep's clothing. So he's not, he's not saying don't pay any attention. He's not saying just ignore the signs, the red flags. He's not saying they saying, pay attention to the red flags, pay attention to the warnings, check out the fruit. Don't just go along with, you've got to stop being such a, a follower of anything that looks good. You have to know what the truth is, and know there are a lot of charlatans, there are a lot of hirelings, there are a lot of people who think they're telling you the truth, and they think they're doing you a service, and they're not, because they don't have it put together in their own life. You need to answer to God, because they're not going to stand up there someday before you, with you, as you come before God, and say, oh God, she she's good, let her in, you know, I, I, I can bear witness. There's going to be no such thing, no endorsements, you're going to be there before God on your own. And the books will be opened, it says in, in um, well, several places in the Bible, actually. So these Pharisees were religious objectionists, as we would call them today. They were objecting to any changes to their monopoly, their monopoly on guilt and fear and control. Really, that's what the main, you know, forward motion of the church is, is it's a monopoly on guilt, fear, and control. So they can, they can you know, be acknowledged as the savior, as the one who can sell you the indulgences or give you the, the remedies or the penances, uh, the absolutions for your sins. Um, and like we said earlier, they become the obsessive compulsive, uh, people who are disordered because they carry and follow people who try so hard to be perfect. Nitpicking. It, it goes to stop it. Just stop trying to be perfect. It's, you know, it's this they say, well, the, the Bible says, be perfect as your father is perfect. That means, does he require and it requires to have perfect circumstances? We can't have perfect circumstances. We can't control this environment perfectly. That's what a lot of people are trying to do. Oh, make straight lines everywhere and make every, sure every particle of dust is, is picked up and, and make sure that my hands are clean all the time. I mean, you can't live in this world like that. And that was not what God asked you to do. God says, live with a perfect attitude. He says, follow me and I will perfect that which concerns you. Otherwise, it drives your, your body nuts. Your body cannot live in that kind of restriction and in that kind of per- perfection. And so the thing is, we have to live with a perfect attitude and follow Jesus. But he said, um, he's going after them in this, in Matthew 23 again, he says, even so outwardly, you appear to be righteous men, right? You appear to be righteous. 28, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. They actually, back in the day, put painted or whitewashed the tombs because they were afraid that if they would step on one of those graves, you know, in the dark or something, didn't see it, 
that they would become contaminated or defiled by this that dead body that laid underneath the ground there. So they would whitewash the tombs and, and then make them look beautiful, but underneath or inside they're full of still full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. And he's saying, you cannot be worthy or, or make yourself perfect by avoiding contamination with this sort of thing. This is this is ridiculous. I mean, they had obsessed to the point where they were it was impossible almost for to move or to live and and they could only go several feet in the day of the, on the sabbath there was just so many restrictions constrictions that they were there was no joy there was only fear i might be, break another rule or today i wake up to break a rule to become under the fury of god and you know god finished the law the law is obsolete jesus completed the law the law could not save us the law could not keep us from sinning all the law could do is like a mirror it could show us our need for a savior and that's what it did. And when Jesus came, he w- there was no more need for the law because he finished the demands of the law, the, the, the righteousness that couldn't be brought by the law, but was demanded by the law to be perfect. Um, it, it couldn't be done. No one could keep the law. And so Jesus died in our place because it wasn't even the, the, the issue wasn't even about keeping the law or being good or good works. The issue was always and always had been about the blood. It had always been about a eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, blood for blood. Not not a basket of, of fruit for, for a shedding of blood or not a basket of, of fruit as payment for murder. It, you just it doesn't it doesn't work. And so he had it had to be blood for blood. It had to be the death sacrifice of a the one clean lamb that was on the earth, and that was him. All the rest of our DNA had been contaminated with sin, but he was sinless, born of a virgin. Born of, but born of God. So he was human, completely human, and he was also completely sinless. And he had to be sinless, but he had to be human because it was humans that had sinned, so a human had to die. And he had to be human so he could die for us, but he also had to be sinless, which there were no humans found on planet Earth that were sinless because once the fall happened, everybody was um, accounted or brought under the canopy of, of that original sin. And so he's coming to, un, to, to, to do away with the law. And to do that, Jesus has got to talk to the Pharisees about their lawlessness, their hypocrisy. He says, you build the tombs. Of, um, he goes on to say, uh, verse 30, and say, if, you had, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have partaken with them in the, in the blood, in shedding the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you are witnesses against yourself that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I I send you prophets, wise men, scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. So we see the deep, long history of sin, conspiracy, bloodshed, um, and, and Jesus connecting these prophets who are trying to look so good, these Pharisees, with the truth that their fathers were the ones who killed the prophets that his father had sent, and that they were not innocent. They were a brood of vipers, as he had said. And that all of this blood that was shed, even up to Zechariah in the Old Testament, even up to John the Baptist and, and Stephen in the New Testament, all of this blood was going to be required at the, at the hands of those who shed it. That's the Old Testament uh, justice is an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, a blow for a blow. And the blood guilt that this world is so saturated in blood, the shedding of innocent blood, can only be cleansed and paid for by the blood of the Lamb of God. And so we see John the Baptist preparing people in their hearts and minds for this this message. Um, And Jesus, of course, calling their attention to the hypocrisy, to the lies, to the conspiracies, to the things they'd been duped. They'd been, these precious common people had been duped, used, had um, by the religious elite and the intellectuals, as we see the same thing today. When people refuse to repent, they refused to, to recognize the revelation of God's word. They done to do it themselves. They base their their uh, their going to heaven on well, I go to church. I'm a good person. I you know do good deeds. Well, those are wonderful things, but the point is that's not how you get into heaven. You get into heaven because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and then out of that abiding with Him comes those wonderful ro- fruits of doing good things and being kind and 
and whatnot to people. So you see, the thing is, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of mis, uh, misinformation, misunderstanding, and, and misteaching, even that has come all the way down to today. So going back to Mark, let's look for a minute. So we have the Pharisees coming, and we have him saying, confess your sins. And then we have, um, he says, I indeed baptize you with water, verse 8. But he will baptize you, he, capital he, Jesus, the, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, at this point, he's saying he. He is not saying the name of the person. He just, he, he do, he just says, that's how he begins to talk about Jesus. Says, he, this guy who's coming, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, wouldn't that be kind of curious if somebody starts talking to you about he is coming, this guy is coming. They're talking about this guy coming who's going to baptize you with um, with with fire and 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 the Holy Spirit, who's this guy and what's he what's he gonna do? I mean, I'm just telling you he's coming. It's like I'm telling you the circus is coming to town. Only Jesus was not the circus. Um, and so it came to pass in verse nine, in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. Remember he comes. He's coming from the north. He's going down to the south and was baptized by John in the Jordan because the Jordan was down by Jerusalem. It's kind of not so far. Where the, I'm thinking where they were baptizing. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. And the voice came from the heavens saying, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So the confirmation of, of course, John is, I'm, I'm sorry, Mark is leaving out a lot of details. And we're going to go uh, to Matthew for the details again. Again, I think uh, Mark was in a hurry to get to the good stuff. And he kind of ran over some of this stuff. He says, um, verse 13 of 3 in Matthew, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? Now, John knew Jesus. He maybe didn't at at every point know that this Jesus was the one he was talking about, but he knew Jesus because they were cousins. They were cousins. Remember back in the day when Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit and her, her, her uh, cousin Elizabeth had also conceived and her, she was already six months along and Mary went to visit her. And so she hung out with Elizabeth almost until the time of her um, giving birth to John. So she probably hung out there for three months. So by the time it, when Mary walked into the room, Elizabeth's baby, John the Baptist, leapt in her womb um, when she met Mary, because Mary was also pregnant with Jesus. So it's like John and Jesus met then. But they were cousins, and they were like a half a year different in age. Now, they probably saw each other on occasions. I don't know if uh, Mary and, and uh, Mary lived in Nazareth. I'm not sure where Elizabeth lived. It was probably more in Judea, because her husband, uh, Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, was one of the priests, and so they have to hang closer to the temple, which would be Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and Judea area. So they were probably 90 or 100 miles apart, something like that. But I'm sure they saw each other um, when um, Joseph and Mary, as Jesus was like 12 years old, etc., and before that, after that, as a child. They made their journeys to the temple, and I'm sure so did um, uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth and John. So the boys probably saw each other at least once a year, maybe more than that, um, knew that they were cousins. And isn't that kind of hard and weird to think that you are, you know, your cousin is the Christ, the son of the living God. And to, you have been chosen to, um, to, to prepare the way. And so when John saw Jesus, he was, he, he said, no, I can't, I need to be baptized by you. This is wrong. I have need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? So with that background, he said, whoa, Jesus, no, um, it's, 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 but Jesus, said to him, answered and said to him, permit it to be so for now, for thus it is fit, fitting to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. So Jesus is saying, let it be so for now. Just, it's okay. Just do it for now. We have to do this to fulfill the law. Something needs to be fulfilled to fulfill all righteousness. I need to be baptized. I need to be baptized by you because number one, that endorses your baptism, that what you're doing, calling people to repentance is the right 
right gospel. You're calling them to repent of their sins, which has been the main obstruction between them and my father. So getting them to confess, admit, cancel out their sins, that's what confession really means, is a good thing. And so he's he's saying, um, permit it to be so for now. And, you know, let sometimes there's things that don't um, make sense, but we have to let them be for now. They seem wrong. They seem unfair. They seem um, hard, harsh. They don't seem like they're right. But God says, permit it to be so for now. And so we want to look also. So we see that there's a, a surrendering, a submitting to what they didn't always understand. There was always something that, you know, even in your own life, you don't understand it. There's, um, we have to allow God. Um, and John says in Luke, he says, he says, the one who's coming, I went, I indeed baptize you with water, but the one who is coming is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John was really seeing a, a totally unworthy of doing this. And Jesus said, no, it's okay. It's okay. And so John submitted to that and did that because they wanted to fulfill all righteousness, whatever that meant at the time. They maybe just, redu- you know, John just doing it in, in obedience. And when Jesus was baptized at that moment, then he, the cousin of John, came up out of the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and light alighting on him. And then there was the voice and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So the father had to come forth with an endorsement of this uh, as Jesus was beginning initiating his ministry. There had to be an endorsement and it did come. And so we saw that John saw, um, it says in in Mark, Mark tells what John saw too. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. That's where we get the idea of the Holy Spirit looking like a dove. If you see that in people's literature and illustrations, the Holy Spirit is often illustrated as a dove. The voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So again, we see a confirmation that the Father is confirming that this is this is the one John was talking about, even though I think John is a little shocked to find out at this point that it is his own cousin. And then a little later, um, as John was sitting in prison, as we go further on in the Gospels of, of, I think it's Matthew and Luke, where he's sitting in prison and sending two of his disciples back to say, to ask Jesus if he's the one, if he's the right one. And he says, tell John, you, do you see, what do you see? What do you see? You see that the, 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 the sick are healed, the leprosy, the paralytics, the demons are cast out. The gospel is preached. Look at the fruit. I'm the one. And notice John sitting in prison at that point, because we talked last time about how he got there, confronting Herod on his um, marriage with Herodias, who was his sister-in-law. How John said that's not right, and John ended up in prison, although Herod liked him and didn't want to kill him. But he got set in a corner like Satan so oftentimes puts us in a corner. He flips the situation around. So now, you know, the hunter becomes the hunted. And um, so he was forced to, well, he didn't have to, but he was under this, um, you know, he was worried about his reputation and what people would say. Took off the head of John the Baptist. But here, even in the beginning, John is saying, I'm not worthy to undo his sandal straps. And so what really had to happen is John had to be taken off the scene and Jesus had to come on the scene. And so uh, John was making that transition, even realizing it in the very beginning that he was not going to be the one because there didn't, God did not want, Jesus did not want, John did not want there to be a divide, a division between the followers of John and the followers of Jesus, because that wouldn't, serve the kingdom of God. And so actually some of John's disciples transferred over and became Jesus's disciples. And it's very cool how that Jesus um, uh, saw that um, in, re, uh, in chapter 14 of, of Matthew. Um, Jesus, you know, knows his, his um, cousin has been killed. We see the story of the 
of the whole how he died in the John, Matthew 14. Jesus actually, after that happened, withdrew into the wilderness, I believe, to grieve the, the death of his cousin, uh, who was also John the Baptist, who was the transitional prophet, the one who was the end of the Old Testament, the beginning of the New. He was the one who said he heralded the way of the coming of the king, the Messiah. And uh, what a powerful um, you know, job that was to have to convince the people um, to enter into this horrible mess to speak the truth to people about who Jesus was, the Messiah, and do it in the midst of such hypocrisy, such such failure of the people to really understand and endorse the goodness of God. I'm just thinking of that, um, if I can find it here, just the, how Jesus responded to John when he said, well, what did you go out into the desert to see? Uh, a, a reed shaken by the wind? A, a wimp? What did you go out there to see? A, 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 a freak show? You know? Um, he, you know, John the Baptist was a unique person, and he called a lot of, because of that uniqueness, he called a lot of attention to himself just because, oh, let's go see. Let's go see. Um, how, what, what, who is this guy? Uh, you know, let's go see what happens. Um, he, he's like uh, Christ. Who's this Christ? Who's this man? What's going on here? Um, there's a, just a, a testimony. Let's see, go to Matthew 11, and we see what Jesus, how he kind of wraps up the testimony of John. Um, I like that he is, uh, you know, John had some doubts in, in 11.2, Matthew 11.2. He says, are you the, the one we're supposed to be looking for, or should we look for another? Um, and Jesus, again, like I said, assured him, but um, Jesus said, it would uh, let's see. And when John had heard from prison or in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear from me. Go tell my cousin. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. What more of a testimony do you need? And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. What an interesting comment that Jesus tacks on to the assurance. Um, Blessed is he happy at peace as he was not offended because of me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. What did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What did you go out to see? So he's really, what did you want to go look? What were you looking at? What did, A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it was written, Behold, I send my messenger before my face, who will prepare your way before you. So Jesus is giving a full 100% endorsement of John the Baptist coming and preparing the way that John was who John said he was, and Jesus is who Jesus says he was. And the witness, the testimony of the two here is, to give the people confidence. Surely I say to you, among those born of women, there is not arisen, risen, one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So he's saying he's great in the kingdom of God. There's not one, a greater prophet, but because there's, there's in the, when you're in the kingdom of heaven, we're pretty much all the same. There's not one greater, there's not one less. He's, he's in the kingdom of heaven. There's not one, he and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Now here he's really talking about the war, the conspiracy, the violence. the, the, the And we'll see that violence play out in Jesus's life as they begin to throw him off the cliff and try to stone him and, and, and you know, set up ambushments for him and, you know, try to cross-examine him and finally get him into uh, the Pilate's judgment hall and, the, and, they, and he's killed. So you see the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence. And we know, as we also see in the next chapter, how John was violently beheaded. He lost his life, shed his blood. For all the prophets and the law prophesy until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, this is a kind of complicated saying, and, and uh, Jesus is talking about 
the um, the coming of Elijah. We all have to take that up another time. But John, Jesus is endorsing John. Jesus is uh, giving him the highest compliments because John was faithful to complete the work that God had called him to do. And let us also be faithful to complete the work the Father's called us to do. And so, Father, I pray right now by the power of your love and your Holy Spirit that we will not be afraid, that we will not ignore, will not deny, will not stick our heads in the sand and say, oh, no, this isn't what it is. I don't want it to be that. I don't want to know. We want to know the truth. We want to be well-equipped. We want our eyes to see. We want to be strong. We don't want to be a co- cowards in this battle, Lord God. I pray that you divinely empower and pour your strength, your grace, your mercy, your revelation into each of us this day, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.